You're listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Nutmeg Arena podcast brought to you by the Nutmeg Assist. My name is Ritwik, the host for the show today, and in this episode of the TNA podcast, we have a really really special guest with us. He is the throwing coach of multiple football clubs across Europe and he is also the throwing he's also the throwing coach of two of the two of really famous football clubs in Liverpool and Ajax yes i'm talking about thomas gronmark welcome thomas to the show thank you so much for coming on to the show you're welcome yeah so how are you doing oh yeah in general uh, i'm doing pretty fine but but you know yesterday we we lost to uh, with liverpool to atletico madrid and uh, oh oh it gives a little bit of bad feeling because you know when you have lost and it's like deserved you lost then it's like okay that's the way it is but we just i think we we played a brilliant game yesterday and we yeah we had so many chances and were in front 2-0 and everything just looked fine but then uh, yeah atletico got this goal and yeah then we had to get another one and yeah so, uh, but in general, I'm pretty fine. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm been having a really good time the last two years with, with all the different uh, clubs all around the world. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty fine. Yeah, it must have been hard actually yesterday because till 90 minutes, I think Liverpool were racing ahead. We had a lot of chances as well to score. Uh, Robertson, Salah, Sadio, etc. They had a lot of chances, but. Yeah, even in extra time, Firmino gave Liverpool the lead. But you know, sometimes things go the other way as well. So yeah, that is football basically. And yeah, hard luck for Liverpool. So, and the first thing actually that I would like to ask you is, you are actually the Guinness World Record holder for the longest throw in, fifty one point three three meters, if I'm not wrong. So now, how does it feel actually to? be in the Guinness World Records. Yeah, I'll just I'll just say first of all, uh, two months ago or so, three months ago, my record was beating by uh, beaten by an American called Mike Lewis. But I set the world record in 2010, and it uh, it lasted almost uh, 10 years. So I'm I'm very proud of that because. In 2008, I set a goal uh, because at that time I'd been a throwing coach for four years, and I thought, hey, if I uh, can teach players how to do a good throwing, then it could also be cool if I had the longest throwing myself. So, and I did it with a, I did the world record attempts with a flip throwing, where you are taking a run in, then you're jumping down on the ball, making a flip, land, and then you throw the ball. And uh, I'm a non-gymnast, and uh, for many years been weighing over 100 kilos. So I had to learn it from scratch. I could, I couldn't even do like a, a a small role at that time. So, so it was a fantastic process. Um, started in 2008 uh, with a world record attempt in, in the in the match Denmark Spain, the national match with with a full stadium. Then in 2009, I had a record attempt. At the Olympic Stadium in Berlin, uh, in the uh, break of, of the match, Hertha Berlin against Wolfsburg with with 40,000 spectators. And then in 2010, I beat the world record with um, 
with, with a throw of 51.33. And it was uh, on a girls' football school in Denmark with 250 participants. So it was another uh, venue. But but to beat the world record has been meaning a lot to me because one is the personal challenge and, and the struggle and and all the things about getting help from people and keep the motivation. But it's also been meaning a lot for my throwing company because when you hear a guy is, is uh, doing throwing coaching and, and then he's also the world record holder in throw-ins, then you, you're listening a little bit more. Then he must be know something. So, so it's been... A fantastic journey with, with with the way to the world record and, and on my way I was also uh, raising money for diabetes researching so uh, yeah raised a lot of money for that so so all in all it's it's been a fantastic experience to to beat the world record and um, yeah so <laughs> it's just been totally fantastic yeah that's great to hear actually and uh, I, I I guess Liverpool and RB Leipzig were the probably one of the first two clubs actually to contact you regarding uh, the position, right? So now, how did you actually feel when when these two big clubs, probably Leipzig, actually it's it's not a really old club, it's it's relatively very relatively very new, but the project there is really amazing. We are seeing that in the Champions League this year as well with Julian Nagelsmann. He's, he's a really, really good coach and they have a really, really good set of players as well. Speed, swift, counter-attacking football, fast football, pleasing to the eyes as well. And as for Liverpool, I guess I don't need to say this because everyone knows how well they play. And it's been an exceptional season. Probably the last couple of weeks probably might have upset a few fans because the expectations were high uh, with regard to the performance. But... Yeah, these clubs actually play really good football and they are actually really, really good football teams. So, how did you actually feel when these teams contacted, especially when probably I actually uh, read your interview with Sky Sports, which you did earlier this year. And uh, I saw that uh, Jürgen phoned you, correct? Yeah, that's totally right. And, and and just before I continue, I'd just like to say I started as a throwing coach in 2004 with my first Danish pro club. And I've been coaching a lot of Danish Super League teams, but it was only the long throw in. And I'm, I'm like having having a philosophy called the long, the fast and the clever throw in. That's throw ins all, all around the pitch. But, but Liverpool uh, was like the first uh, club to contact me around uh, the throw-ins all over the pitch and uh, and it was approximately the same time uh, early July 2018 that that first young club called me directly on the phone and then uh, afterwards uh, Ralph Rangnick uh, from from RB Leipzig and and it was it first of all it's been fantastic feeling to coach uh, big clubs like like Liverpool and uh, and RB Leipzig Ajax uh, who I'm not also coaching now, like Liverpool, and yeah, it was a little bit special because I was uh, on my way in, way into a chocolate shop with my family. It was just like a family vacation or family trip, and and uh, yeah, I had I had been been uh, my phone was was uh, with no no noise on, so so I just checked my phone and I could see it was a plus 44 number who's been calling and um, yeah I thought it was just like like a guy from England wanted to sell me some pencils so so 
so I just listening <laughs> listened I just listened to the to the voicemail and and then it was Jurgen Klopp and um, I've always dreamed of uh, of of coaching in the Premier League as a throwing coach and uh, Liverpool wa- has been been my favorite club so so I tried to call him but but he didn't really answer so I went into the chocolate shop with my family and uh, what when I came out again to the cl- to the car, I thought, "Hey, I might as well just go home to myself and and take perhaps the most important call ever for me." So, I was driving the car, and uh, my wife was sitting beside me, and the kids in the back. And then suddenly, uh, the phone ra- phone rang, and my wife picked the phone up, and she said, "It's Jürgen." <laughs> and then I just t- took the car and then drove directly right into a grass field, and I took the phone, and uh, it was. Uh, it was Jurgen Klopp, and he said, uh, "Yeah, he, even though we had a good season in in the 17-18 season with a with a fourth place in a Premier League and Champions League final, we were really bad at the throw-ins. Uh, we lost the ball almost every time. So, so he invited me to a meeting in in Melwood, Liverpool's uh, training ground, and it should only been been uh, been a meeting, but." Jurgen Klopp was so convinced that already the day after I had the, the chance to coach 21 of the Premier League players. And it was all the players who weren't injured or on vacation after the World Cup. So, And since uh, July 2018, I've been coaching um, Liverpool FC. And uh, of course, it's been... Even though we lost yesterday, it's it's been, uh, been a fantastic ride with winning the Champions League last year, winning the the, the world uh, world club championship. Uh, also, it looks like we're going to win the the Premier League too. So um, it's been really a fantastic ride, working with fantastic uh, players, and yeah, the club itself not not only Jurgen Klopp but Liverpool as a club has been very open minded towards my knowledge and uh, so we have improved a lot in Liverpool FC with with the throw-ins. Great. So you mentioned actually you have separate uh, throwing throwing drills. So the long ones, the clever ones, etc. So I actually read a stat. So one of the club that you actually coach, Midland. So they actually improved a lot since you joined the club and I think they scored around 35 or something uh, in the last four seasons uh, from long throw-ins. But teams like Liverpool and Ajax, they generally don't prefer the long throw-ins. They want quick throw-ins and you know, quick transition football, quick position football as well. So the, uh, the difference between the long throw-ins and these quick, the clever ones, it, it's, it's quite hard as well, right? So, you know, what are the things that you actually look out for? Do you actually go ahead and analyze the videos of opponents? I mean, the, the upcoming opponents or you know, how how is it that you deal with? Yeah, first of all, when I'm coming to a club and, and I'm doing my throwing coaching, it's not it's not the same coaching in every club. For example, in FC Midland, yes, that's totally right. In four seasons, we've scored uh, 35 goals on the long throwing, but that was because not this season, but the last four seasons that FC Midland had a very big team and was really going on for long set pieces. But for example, in Liverpool and, and Ajax, um, we are we are doing more the, the, the fast and the clever ones. And, and just to explain what it is, then you can say that even though we're not doing 
any long throwings towards the opponent's goals in Liverpool. We are, I'm still doing the long throwing coaching with the fullbacks because the longer throwing you have, the greater throwing area you will also have. And it means that when you have a throwing in the middle of the pitch, if you have a longer throwing, then you'll also have a greater throwing area and you can you can uh, um, throw it to more teammates then. So, so I'm also doing the long throwing coaching in the clubs, but it's, we only use it in training and then use it for, for bigger throwing area. Then we have the fast throwing, and that's about how can we throw the ball fast, how can we mark fast. But I'm also learning the players when shouldn't we throw fast because it's really stupid to throw fast and then throw the ball into a pressure zone. So that's also what I'm doing in, in my in my coaching. Then we have the clever throwing. That's about the focus is, first of all, uh, keep possession of the ball. And then it's also creating um, creating chances and score goals. And in Liverpool FC, we've been scoring 13 goals after throw-ins this season. Uh, there are not a lot of people who are seeing it, but it's from throw-ins all over the pitch where we're doing something special to create space uh, so we can like make a counter-attack or, or play in a really free space to... Uh, yeah. So I have a lot of different tools. I have three different zones on the pitch, approximately like... 40, 50 different throwing tools, and then I have special assignments for every player. But it's not like an NFL playbook. It's more like like uh, the players are using their creativity, they're using their fantasy, and then we have like millions uh, up of uh, options. So it's a little bit like we try to do something, but then when when the opponents are covering us or marking us, then we know there is a there's a another option uh, locked up so uh, so we try to do that and um, the way I'm doing it is first of all of course I'm coaching the fullbacks but I'm also most of the time just coaching the whole team so we're working on how to create space how to mark the opponents and so so um, that's the way it works and and just before you said that yeah um FC Midtjylland has scored 35 goals and four season long throw-ins. In Liverpool, we're measuring on different things. Um, and and these numbers are, I'm saying now is from an unattached uh, analysis uh, company. It's not my numbers. It's not Liverpool numbers. But in the 17-18 season, the season before I came, then Liverpool had a possession on throw-ins under pressure where every player is marked a possession on 45.4%. So when they had a hundred throw-ins under pressure, they only kept the ball f- 45 times. And Liverpool were then in the 17-18 season number 18 out of 20 in the Premier League, so third last. But in the last season, my first season in, in Liverpool, we improved to a possession on 68.4 percent, so up 23 uh, percent. And then we went from number uh, uh, 18 in the Premier League to uh, uh, number one in the Premier League on throw-ins under pressure. And, and in, every, uh, in every game, we are like 20, 30, 40% better than the opponents in the, in the, um, in the, in the throw-in possession under pressure. Uh, I'm measuring both the attacking throw-ins, but also the defending throw-ins when the opponents have a, have a throw-in. So, uh, so you don't have to score on long throw-ins to be successful uh, at the throw-ins because it, it's really depending on the playing style that your team um, have. 
Yeah, so actually, uh, I also read a stat some ways uh, where it was mentioned that I don't have the exact crunch number, but Liverpool last season actually scored somewhere around 15 goals directly from, I mean, from a throw-in actually, uh, the build-up from a throw-in. So that is particularly impressive considering that, like you said, Liverpool were really, really poor in the 17-18 season. Uh, from throw-ins where they actually finished fourth. So, that is a massive improvement. And even this season, Liverpool have scored some really, really important goals from throw-ins as well. Uh, two goals that comes to my mind is, one was uh, in the game versus Wolves uh, at the Molyneux, I, I think. Yeah, it was at the Molyneux where uh, Firmino scored the winner, if I'm not wrong. So yeah, that, right. yep. yeah, that came in. That came from a throw-in, and another one was the game against Spurs, where again Firmino was the scorer, the one-nil win against Spurs at White Hart at the, uh, I mean, Spurs state, new stadium. So these two goals actually come into my mind, and these were actually match winners, to be honest. And yeah, that's a that's a huge difference that your throw-in coaching has made to the clubs that you are actually coaching right now. But also, it's also with all the appreciation, you also get criticism as well. So actually, punditry, football pundits, pundits you, ha- you have a lot of people who does punditry, ex-football players, journalists, and a lot of people on social media as well. And sometimes criticisms go beyond a limit as well illogical criticisms as well but uh, I think I particularly heard some uh, actually some a video I saw a video of Steve Nicole former Liverpool legend uh, actually criticize not it, it's probably not a criticism maybe he was actually implying that there is I mean the success that Liverpool or Liverpool are seeing from throw-ins might not actually be uh, resulting from your coach I mean your coaching so what is your take on such criticisms and how do you handle such criticisms? I'm handling criticism is first to say that criticism is really good. If you are if you're getting constructive criticism that can really improve not only yourself but also your team or your country or your club or something like that. So it's really good. We'll, we must never forget to give each other constructive criticism. And what do I mean with constructive criticism? When the criticism comes from either a person who knows something about the subject, then it will be often be constructive because um, we are we are using knowledge to talk with each other. Sometimes, um, also, if if there's coming people with constructive criticism to me who is curious, uh, it don't has to be a, a, a person with a lot of knowledge. Let's just say it's a fan or a meet a person on the street or so. If if that person comes with criticism, but it's set with with uh, with with. Uh, the person is curious, and so then it's really good, I think, because then then the the, peer, the person is listening. But if the criticism is coming from either uh, a person who doesn't know anything about uh, what he or she is talking about, or the person just wants to make fun of you, it doesn't matter for me. Then I'm then I don't care about the criticism because then I just feel more sorry for them. And you can say with with uh, with Steve Nichol. Um, 
even though he's a former pro player, he it, it's it's easy to see that he doesn't know anything about throwing coaching. He doesn't know anything about throwings. He's coming, and it's not all all persons who were playing at that time because there are also a lot of curious persons from that that time, people who want to know more. But but the way Steve Nichol argumented about the throwing coaching was really really bad. He had no. He had no arguments. It was more like he was just laughing because he thought it was funny. Um, but but if if you can't convince a man uh, about the effect of, of, of my throwing coaching when you're seeing the numbers like uh, the improvement from the 17-18 season to the 18-19 season, then, then, then you can't convince him because then you'll... Uh, 99% of people who are seeing this statistic, they'll say, okay, it works. So for me, the, the criticism from from um, from the likes of Steve Nichol or like Andy Gray when I started in Liverpool in, in, in the fall 2018, it doesn't matter for me because it's just like, sorry, it's just a little bit like stupid. And actually, every time there's a guy like this who's coming with no arguments, it's just like a fantastic commercial for me. Because you can look at the internet, both with Andy Gray, but also with, with Steve Nichol. I didn't have to answer at all. The internet answered for me. And and calling them dinosaurs and people who were a little bit left behind in, in an early age and so. So so every time there's a guy without arguments who are criticizing me, it's it's a fantastic um it's a fantastic thing for me. It's just bring out my uh, just bring out my message. And it's also because, you know, the fans, the fans, let's just go 30 years back. At that time, we can only read only read the newspaper and then we can see a, a match from Premier League every Saturday and there was perhaps only one match a week. Then people weren't perhaps not so informed. But right now, like you're in uh, interviewing me on this podcast, people are really informed. Normal fans, they're reading articles. They're clever. And I'll say... Most fans, they are more clever than both Andy Gray and Steve Nichols. So, so that's the reason why they answered for me. So, so I don't care about that kind of criticism because there are a lot of people who are supporting me all around the world. Uh, I'm getting a lot of support, not only from from Liverpool fans and players, but also in general. Um, and and in, it's 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 everywhere in the world. I've just been talking with Brazil. Just been talking with Egypt, of course. Also talking to 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 people in. In, in Europe too, so uh, it's it's all around the world. So I'm just happy. So criticism, uh, if it's not constructive, I don't care about it. So yeah, fair enough. And actually, these criticisms from the pundits actually go on to the players as well. This uh, un unconstructive criticism, you could say, because you see Graham Sonis uh, get on to Paul Pogba at times unnecessarily and. Yeah, there are similar uh, incidents as well with players, managers, coaching staffs and a lot of things. Because most things actually, these days, we have a lot of people who actually get on through clickbaits. And we have a certain set of people as well who want the real content as well. So, yes, there is a variety and people just some people just do it for the clicks, you could say. And some people just want to speak and just want to see their point being proven. So, like you said, that's the point with uh, Steve Nicole or Andy Gray, perhaps. So, 
Yeah, that's a really good uh, point that you raised. And one more thing that I'd like to ask you is, you work with uh, Klopp, Ten Hag, etc. And when you actually coach the players, you know, actually, uh, before I go into that, I would actually like to say that when you actually started coaching Liverpool, I personally, I follow Liverpool a lot. And uh, personally, for me, I thought that Joe Gomez's throw-ins were getting better and better initially. And slowly, Trent Alexander-Arnold also followed suit. So, like you said, you train the fullbacks as well, mainly because mainly the wide players take the throw-ins, basically. So, that is something something that is really, really impressive as well. Because uh, if I see Trent Alexander-Arnold, he's still young. He's really potent as well. And I think there's a lot of learning curve as well with these young players. And with these young players... Not just with the throw-ins and maybe you try to incorporate your throw-in style, I mean, your throw-in drills, actually, with the style of football the club plays. But do you actually get the manager in while you actually coach the players and, you know, take opinions from them and, you know, do a combined session or something of that sort? Yes, I'm doing a a lot of combined sessions. Of course, sometimes it's only the throw-ins. But but still, it's like like the other like Jurgen is Jurgen Klopp is watching too. Also the other the assistant coaches and so and so sometimes it's only the throw-ins like like uh, precision or how can we create space. So then it's all the players. But sometimes it's also like we have throw-ins integrated in drills. So let's say it's uh, it's a uh, eleven against eleven on the pitch and then we perhaps like have we are we are perhaps taking 12 throw-in situations then we're stopping the play every time we have a throw-in then i'm speaking a little bit and then we're doing specific things it could also be like a five versus five interval game on a, on a narrow pitch with a lot of throw-ins then we are combining you know the normal play the normal movements with with throw-ins so so sometimes it's only throw-ins and um and sometimes it's it's like combined, integrated in the normal training. And then I'll say that <clears throat> even though I'm probably the guy who knows most about throw-ins in the world, then it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'm the throwing guru. Uh, you have to listen to me, do everything I says, because I'm I'm also getting inspired, in, oh, sorry, uh, uh, inspired by by the players, by the coaches, by the fans, and sometimes there are. Perhaps one of the coaches is saying to me, hey, uh, if we made that pitch a little bit bigger, or perhaps one of the players is saying, hey, if we couldn't we take like like two small goals and put there, because then it'll be even sp- more specific uh, according to, to the match. And so, and then I'm, most of the time I'm, I'm saying, yes, that's um, so. So um, my training is really integrated with with. Not only the playing style, but also like, like, like the training of the, the of the team itself. But also, I'm also really listening to uh, to people around me. So, and I think that's one of the most important thing is to try to to fit in to the team or to the club. Of course, of course, every every individual has to bring in some knowledge and some skills and so on. And of course, I'm also doing that with the throw-ins. But I'm, it's really important for me to to try to integrate. So that's also the reason why, if you're seeing my 
my throwing coaching in in uh, in Liverpool FC. It could be different to Ajax or could be different to Ghent in Belgium. I'm also coaching or FC Midtjylland in Denmark or some of my other clubs around the world. So um, I'm really, really doing a lot to uh, to uh, fit into the playing style and, and to the like 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 the the week plan for the team training plan. And sometimes I'm I'm only coaching 20 minutes and sometimes I'm coaching 60 minutes. It's really different. But every time. Um, it's, I've been seeing on video uh, what we can do better. I'm doing video analysis of every game. Uh, for example, every game of from Liverpool, every game from Ajax, I'm doing video analysis. And then I'm sending uh, video analysis to Jürgen, like the attacking throw-ins, the defending throw-ins. And then the, when I'm not in Liverpool, then the teams are working with, with my uh, knowledge and my recommendations. And you can say that Right now, it's really specific because I've all, almost worked uh, um, with Liverpool for two years now. So, of course, there were it, it, in the in the start, it was more like general things, and then it's been more and more specific. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy to work uh, work with all the clubs. Yeah, and yeah, finally, finally, actually, actually uh, because in football, you actually need progressive development or progressive improvement so because you have to show results actually to the bosses and football basically has kind of turned into a progressive uh, you know progressive you need to be progressively you need to progressively improve the team or else there's going to be questions a lot of questions that will be raised on you and with regards to that how tough is your job because every season you may have a target so say for example you Liverpool probably had a kind of 10 to 15 goals scored from throw-ins last year probably this season they might have been aiming a bit more on goals or maybe a bit more on some other specific maybe retaining position or some other specific detail as well so how tough is actually I mean how tough is this particular job because people actually, when they see, okay, Thomas Brownmark, throw-in coach, yeah, you just need to coach the players to you know, do a throw-in. So it sounds easy, but by the looks of it, by the way that you have actually explained a lot so far in this podcast, it really seems a really, really tough job. So I would especially like to know from you how tough the job is and you know what you try to improve on a daily basis as well. Yeah, first of all, I try uh, try to be better myself from day to day, to be a better th- coach, to try to explain the things better, try to do even better drills and exercises. So that's a daily work for me. And then again, I can say, of course, it's totally right. I'm a freelancer. I can I can coach um, the clubs I want all around the world. Uh, I could also coach clubs in India. That would that would be no problem too. Um, and it's 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 totally right that every every year, like every summer, I have to like get new contracts. Uh, but I'm really, you know, I'm really positive about the options. It's also because, like, for example, FC Midtjylland, I've been coaching them for like ten years or so. So they've they've been saying every year, oh, we want to uh, want you to help us again in Liverpool, uh, in in the. Um, 18-19 season, I first had a half-season contract. 
Then I had a half season contract more. And then in this season, uh, 1920, I have a full season contract. And you can say that most of my clubs, they want to uh, to hire me again. Um, so so I'm really confident because I know that, that uh, I'm delivering. I'm helping the clubs to be better. Uh, because some people are saying that, that throw-ins are marginal gains. But I, I don't consider it as marginal gains because there are normally between... 40 and 60 throw-ins in a match and most teams are having possession and under 50% of the the throw-ins when they're under pressure and and if you're taking the situation up to a throw-in and then the following situation then normally uh, the throw-ins are taken between 15 and 20 minutes of the game so it's not a small thing it's a big thing so so I know that every club who would hire me They'll be better. They'll be a better football team. They'll also be a more entertaining football team because if you're losing the ball all the time after throwing, it's not entertaining. It's it's also not entertaining if you're losing the ball all the time in the middle of the pitch when you have it in your feet. So, so I would be able able to help every club in the world who who wants to be better at the throwing. So, um, so that's that's also the reason why I'm 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 just trying to uh, connect connect with people, try to inspire them. I'm, I'm connecting with a lot of people from all over the world. Uh, in LinkedIn, uh, people are following me on Twitter. They're following me on Instagram, Facebook, everything. And because, of course, right now, I just want to that my clubs I'm coaching now are having success like Liverpool. Um, but my big, big goal is to, um, is to make the football game better itself so i also like to inspire like amateur coaches youth youth coaches and, and coaches from all over the world and that's also the reason why i'm i don't know if i'll publish in one year or it will be in five years but i'm also like writing uh, a book about the long fast and the clever throw-ins and uh, because even though I, I can travel a lot then i can't i can perhaps only help like eight or ten clubs uh, per season and, and there are like a million football clubs and a million or ten million football coaches so I, I, that's that's just my big goal to um, to inspire people in the future yeah publishing a book is really a great idea because you can actually get to the fans as well and that is definitely going to pass more information on you know your job and stuff like that and finally, uh, before we put a close to the podcast, I would like to actually pose a question to you. Who is actually your favorite throw-in taker? The past and the present. You can pick two names. Oh, uh, I'll first of all say if we we're going to look at the long throw-ins, I'll say that that's not my main focus. But if we have to look at the long throw-ins, then the best all-time would be Roy Dillap, who played for Stoke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I like, yeah, like 15 years ago or so, or, or 10 years ago. And But you can also say that Stoke's team were really built on uh, after like the set pieces. They had like eight guys. They were over 1 meter 90. So, so it's a really big team. So, And then if I'm looking, if I'm looking at the fast and the clever throw-ins, like Keeping possession, seeing free space, creating uh, creating chances, scoring goals after throwing. Then I'll 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 pick two, and it'll be uh, uh, Trent 
Alexander Arnold and Andrew Robertson from Liverpool because when I started in Liverpool, they were really bad at at you know, like creating chances, keeping possession uh, after throw-ins. But they've just improved so much, uh, you know, the last since since July 2018, and and right now I think they're they're the best in the world. Uh, not only right now, but in, in in time in general, with 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 being precise, seeing the free space, knowing when to throw fast, knowing when to wait, uh, and creativity with the throw-ins, and so so I'll, so I'll pick these two with the, with the with the fast and the clever throw-in. Absolutely fair choice, and so thank you so much for you know being a part of this show. You shared so much with all our listeners as well. And I think a lot of people who, I think a lot of people are actually unaware of the complete structure of a football club, maybe what a throw-in coach, because these kind of stuff are probably new because football is developing daily and we see new, new strategies, new, new stuff coming into football. Football is actually evolving. It is becoming better day by day as well. So this is probably a really, really informative podcast as well for all our listeners too and thank you so much for being a part of this show and i hope you go on and succeed more and get more and more contracts from you know bigger clubs as well and probably some national teams as well so thank you so much thomas for coming on to the show you're welcome yeah and thank you to all our listeners as well for tuning into this episode More of the same coming soon on the Net Megasys. Thank you, guys. See ya.